Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. City win the Manchester derby, Liverpool's unbeaten run ends, Arsenal go fifth and the managerial merry-go-round is out of control. I'm Dan Burke, this is the Premier League Weekend Review Podcast and I'm joined for this one by Matt Froelich and Joel Sanderson-Murray. Hello. Now I must begin today with an apology because the podcast has been on an unexpected two-week hiatus. Um, The week before last I was on holiday, then last week I couldn't talk after having my my wisdom teeth yanked out, which was about as fun as it sounds. Um, If you've ever thought this podcast is a bit like pulling teeth, believe me it's not. I can assure you of that. Uh, but we're back now. We're ready to podcast. Are you ready to podcast, Matt? I am very excited for this. Honestly, very. I'm very into it. I love. I love winding up Joel as well. So. <laughs> he sounds so infused <laughs> right there. <laughs> I've had. I've had the nightmare. A nightmare day. So I'm ready for this. I'm ready to chat some footy with the lads. And you were just saying before we started, Joel, that there's there's some juicy talking points to get stuck into today. So I assume I'm, you're you're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I'm just looking to see you know a balanced and fair assessment of Manchester United. To be honest with you. <laughs> This is the home of balance and fair assessments on Manchester United, as, as everyone well knows. <laughs> well, let's begin at Old Trafford then, shall we? Where Manchester City strolled to a 2-0 victory in the derby on Saturday. The scoreline was more respectable than the 5-0 defeat to Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, but was this arguably a worse performance from United, Joel? Oh, quite possibly, yeah. I think the thing is with the Liverpool game and uh, with what Liverpool do, they sort of like to have the ball at times. So United did sort of, you know, they had a few moments in the game, you know, um, against Liverpool and maybe should score the first goal. Um, but against City at the weekend, I mean... They had to Ronaldo volley after the first goal, but they, they mm. just never looked really settled into the game at all. And um, it looks it looks scared as soon as City, you know, get into you got into the final third, which tends to be about 90 percent of the game, to be honest with you. And 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 the goal was, was the first goal was always going to come. And, and then as soon as that happens, I just don't. I think United just go into their shell and they're too scared to sort of oppress in, with any sort of substantial because just you know City can keep the ball and the, the fingers of City they can absolutely you know have been there have been been at games where City just keep the ball and keep the ball and, and it, it kills you in the crowds because mm. you can't get up any head of steam in the crowds and support your team so I can't imagine what it's like being a player in that situation where no matter what you do City just got three players to pass to you know a, a City player's got an option there an option there an option there and, and it's incredible and just and United to just never they didn't I can't I'm not really sure what to say about them because there's no really force we didn't really get to see their plan and I don't know whether that's an assessment on how bad they were or just how good City were to be honest yeah, I mean, if anyone who knows me uh, will know that I'm the eternal pessimist when it comes to City and I was not looking forward to this game at all. I, w- I was at the Crystal Palace game a couple of weeks ago where City were really, really poor and it kind of dampened my enthusiasm for the season a little bit. I was kind of thinking, oh, is it going to be one of those where we're going to we're going to have a bit of a, a dip in form now and tail off going away to Old Trafford, not the ideal um sort of game for us at this moment in time really I thought the City were looking a bit tired as it is they went there and it was such a weird game I mean I think I might if I'm ever feeling kind of a bit stressed or overwhelmed I might put this game on just to calm me down because it was such a soothing experience just watching City pass the ball from side to side I mean that second half United didn't get anywhere near them didn't didn't mount anything even resembling a comeback they had four touches in City's penalty area in the whole game um, two of them being that Ronaldo volley and the, and the follow-up from Greenwood so two others apart from that it was just it was bizarre. I think it was probably City's easiest ever afternoon at Old Trafford. Matt, do you think United's meek surrender was was a tactical failing on their part or was there a lack of effort and desire from their players? Did they look like they're still fighting for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to you? I don't know. I, th- I think Joel kind of hit it on the head where it looked like there was nothing really going forward. I wonder whether they panicked a bit because of the Liverpool game. Mm. Do you reckon they, it may, maybe just in the back of their head, they thought if we all out here and it's another 5-0 then there's real real trouble I don't think I think they're towing a very fine line here the players where you want to put in the effort right because you're playing for the club but are you then going to be putting in the effort to basically save the manager every week do you know what I mean I'm not yeah. suggesting that they do the opposite and that they'd because you know if if Ronaldo let's say Ronaldo and, and Bruno who certainly have been apparently leading the revolt was what I saw mm. <laughs> termed in the newspaper. Yeah. If they're just to up tools, play poorly and say, you know what, I'm playing rubbish so Solskjaer gets fired. They're also doing it to the club as well. So I, I, I'm not really sure it's a lack of effort or desire. Um, 
I just think that maybe the belief in what they're running for isn't quite there, if you kind of get what I mean. Yeah. The belief in, you know, even even Manchester City did perfectly, that when you press, for example, or when you know you're playing a certain style, you know the rest of your teammates are going to back you up. I get the feeling that United don't quite know that the rest of the team are all on the same wavelength. And it must be quite sort of off-putting as a player. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ironic that you say that uh, Ronaldo and, and uh, Bruno are reportedly leading the revolt. You know, Ronaldo mm. can't lead the press though, can he? And and, and Bruno was <laughs> was yeah. arguably more at fault for that own goal than Eric Bailly. The way he didn't even bother to close Cancelo down to, for the for the cross yeah. coming in um, w- was really poor. And they were poor all afternoon. There was no cohesiveness. There was no confidence. The passing was off. I mean, City played well. City strangled them really well. But I kind of look at these two teams and think they're in such they're in different postcodes I mean literally um but yeah. you know the the, the contrast is, is remarkable and and I kind of think would, would a better manager Joel come in and instantly improve United or, or is there an awful lot of work to be done on coaching that team to be better at just being a, a cohesive football team because you look at what Guardiola has done with City that took him some time you know it took him a season at least to get City playing the way he wanted to it took you know him him bringing in players that he knew would would be good for that style of play I don't know if, say, Antonio Conte, obviously he's gone to Spurs now, he's not going to come at United, but someone like that would come in and instantly change things because I don't know if it's that simple a job, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think there's a bit of both in this because I, I think for one, and I think a lot of my United fans will probably agree with me now that Sokshar, I don't think he's going to be the guy to take them forward and is going to get them to where they want to be. And I think on this season's results, are starting to prove that. And you know, he, I think I, I don't really understand really what they're kind of waiting for now. Like, do the decision makers at Man United believe that Sokshar can turn this around and that he can get them back to you know win titles? Because I, I think it's fair to say Sokshar has done a good job to a certain point at Man United because they were a mess under Mourinho and and he has you know got them qualified for the Champions League um, on two, two occasions, finished fourth twice in the top four twice, hasn't he? And mm. and so, so I get to an extent he's he's done a bit of a sort of bridging the gap job, but there's there's nothing that was seen under his reign that suggests to me that Manchester United can, can win a league. Um, especially while you have Antonio Conte, Thomas Tuchel, Guardi, Pep Guardiola, yeah, and Klopp in the Premier League. So, Solskjaer just he just hasn't the experience and doesn't come close to those managers. Um, they felt four of the best managers in the world, and, and they're in the Premier League. You know, it's uh, so I don't know what my United can do expect mm. from Solskjaer to get close to them. And I, I think any manager that comes in now, I, I think one they could have an instant impact, and we will see they would see better than what we're seeing at the moment because. My United have good players in that team. Their attack and talent, the, the options they have actually could be one or second best in the Premier League in terms of individual players. Um, but Solskjaer just hasn't got them into into a setup yet and into a system where that works for them. And the fact that Jaden Sancho isn't starting games and isn't getting on the pitch at all at the moment is 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 really bizarre and and, and funny to it from, mm. from an, an outside point of view. Because well, he, he did come on at half time on Saturday and. You wouldn't yeah. have known it, but he did. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, he's playing it for years on the pitch at the moment. I don't think I stand necessarily down to him. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe my United had a plan when he signed him, and then when he signed, when Ronaldo, the option to get Ronaldo came available, that sort of messed that up. Possibly that that looks to be the case. But um, you know, when United did sign Sancho, I did. I was scared that they they had bridged the gap and. They haven't. It's got. It's gone backwards. If anything, now and Solskjaer's at risk now of actually leaving him in a worse state than he he he, um, he came to when he arrived. And I do think a better manager can come in and have an instant impact. But this is going. To, this is going to be something now. that's going to take a, you know a, a long time to build my United back up to to where they want to be. And that's not just going to be on the you know, on the training field and you know with, with the coach. That you know there's got to be decision makers in the ballroom as well or you know direct or football level that kind of thing that I've got to come in um, and, and sort it out there's, there's a lot of work to be done but um, you know speaking as a local fan I hope we didn't get round to realising that <laughs> yeah I think I think what sums Solskjaer up is, is after the Liverpool game the fact that he's gone for three at the back or three central defenders in the in the, in the the following three games Yeah, it's like he thinks that that is a more defensive move but it's not really is it like that that is probably Sacrificing a bit of an attacking threat that you had, you just just automatically putting a, a central defender in there doesn't really change yeah. an awful lot. And it, it, it sums him up that he's been really reactionary. He, yeah. he's, 
Carly played that formation, if if ever, during his reign. Maybe he's done it once or twice, but he's reacted to it, and and, and that sums him up because if you know if Man City or Liverpool, you know, maybe they don't lose that to that extent, but Man City or Liverpool get beat comfortably. They don't go and change the formation in the next game. They just have to get better at doing plan A because they know what their identity is. They know what they want to do and how how they get from A to B to score a goal and how they stop goals going in. So they just train to get better at doing that. With Sokshar, I you know, is he a three five two manager? Is he a four two? I don't I don't know. I don't know what it, that Manchester United are meant to be to know whether they're actually good at doing it or bad at doing it. Yeah, he, he sort of reminds me of what I'm like on Football Manager when things start going badly. I'll just, just I was try. just about to say 100%. something about Football Manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just mess around with the formation, just do anything you can to try and change it. Hopefully, hope that you just land on a winning formula almost by mistake and just That's keep doing exactly that until it starts it. going wrong. Then you change oh. it and do something else. And it's yeah, like the, the great football thinkers of this world, the Klops and the Guardiolas and Tuckles, they're in a different stratosphere, aren't they? It's, the game has moved on. It, you can't just do a sort of diet Alex Ferguson anymore. It's, you've, you've got to be better than that. And I think that's where, that's where Solskjaer's come unstuck. I mean, the guy that, that is being talked about as potentially the next United manager is Brendan Rodgers. Matt, do you think, given the, the candidates they, they've let go uh, by so far, that he's about the best that they could hope to attract at this moment in time? I think he's the best, but I don't think that's... Um, I don't think that's because there's not many other options. I, I think he's just a good candidate in general. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe because of his Liverpool connection, you might not want to do it. I think they'd have to pay a lot to get him out of Leicester. Um, I still think he'd do it, though. I don't know. If, if it came to it and they negotiated the deal, I still think he'd take the opportunity to go back to, to sort of a, a bigger club with mm. no disrespect to Leicester. I know they may be in a better position team-wise. Um you could argue the Manchester United, but I, I still think he'd do it. I still think he'd be a very good coach there as well. Did, did, he, we spoke about this last time, I believe, leaving on bad terms at Liverpool. Is it that bad, Joel? We, you'd obviously hate him. I'd hate him if he, if he went there. I don't think, yeah. necessarily think he left on bad terms at Liverpool. It just came to a situation where he had to go because he wasn't doing the job very well. and mm. He's rebuilt his career since then, but yeah, any manager or player that makes that move from our side to Manchester United to Liverpool yeah. is going to be detested by the opposition. <laughs> would you have confidence that he would go there, Matt, and win the league? Because obviously he's been to Liverpool and came Ooh. close, but not close enough. <laughs> he went to Celtic and won the league, of course, but you know the, the evidence at Leicester suggests that he's kind of getting them close to, to finishing top four, but, but has, has faltered a little bit at the end. All right, he won the FA Cup last season. Do you think he's got what it takes to, to win the title in a, in a league where, where Klopp and Guardiola are, are working and Tuchel? That, that was exactly what my answer was going to be. Is you talked about different stratospheres. I mean, it's not... The, 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 winning the Premier League's never been easy, but there have been quite a few seasons where there's been a two-horse race. Um, obviously recently, but between Klopp and Guardiola, I just think if you're going to outsmart, you know, Klopp for one weekend, great. You've beat him once. We're talking about overtaking Klopp, Guardiola and Tuchel, three top managers over the course of 38 games. You know, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously, you know, he, um, he got the better of Tuchel in the FA Cup final. Great. You know what I mean? In a one-off game. Um, was it? It was better than, than Chelsea last season, right in the final. Am I, am I? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean. You, you get them in a, in a cup match, but I just think over the course of a season, with the way that those three have won titles in the past, it would be so so difficult. Mm. They would play good football, wouldn't they? That, that, yeah, that they'd be better. No yeah. <laughs> I mean, City, City are apparently interested in Rodgers as, as Guardiola's successor and, and there's some talk mm. that maybe he'll, he'll wait for that one to come along. I, mean, I wouldn't be very happy about that as a City fan, to be honest with you, if he was the, the guy that they turned to. But then I'm not sure who who else they could turn to, really, that would, that would, yeah. that would try and play a similar style of football and, and be, be successful at it, really, in, in the same way. I mean, we, we've not really talked about City's performance in this game because it feels like we don't really need to. I mean, they kind of they kind of went there and scored two pretty soft goals, won the game comfortably, total control from start to finish. It wasn't a brilliant performance from City. It didn't have to be. They just kind of went there and, and, and did their thing and, and United were just victims of it, really. And you look at the City season so far, they've won at Stamford Bridge, they've won at Old Trafford, they've drawn at Anfield, puts them in a good position for the for the title, but they've, they've dropped points at home to Southampton and Crystal Palace. And like I said earlier, that Crystal Palace performance was really, really bad. Does that suggest, Joel, that, that when coming up against teams who, who drop deep and defend their penalty box with a life, that City might have a, a few more problems this season to you? <laughs> 
it's not been a problem City have had, you know, in, in recent seasons, and it, it's really weird that it now seems to be a bit of a sticking issue. Um, I, I, to be honest, I just don't think you like playing Crystal Palace at home. You often <laughs> a weird thing about playing them <laughs> and losing at the Etihad, but um, quite possibly because. I mean, it's the easiest stick to bait City with, with um, the fact that they don't have an out-and-out recognised striker. It's something that City don't need to usually play with because most games, they, you know, they've got the fluidity of those midfielders and the attacking midfielders and the wingers. It doesn't really matter because they score that many goals and create that many chances that it, it doesn't really um, prohibit them too much. Mm-hmm. But in, in games where you know teams can actually you know do manage to frustrate them and are successful in doing so, and it's weird that Southampton one of them because they've been awful defensively under Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, maybe not this season because they keep a few clean sheets. But um, if, if you are a team that can that can be successful doing that, it's, it's looking like City do have a bit of a. A tiny Achilles, Achilles heel there, and, and obviously I'm, I'm saying that because I'm someone who, who wants City to have that, and and I, I believe that that's giving me a bit of a breadcrumb of hope that there is something that City and maybe got a bit of weakness at. And it, it, interesting to sort of get you, your viewpoints on that. Is, is that something that you are? Do you fear playing those type of teams now compared to you know the big games against Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United? A, a bit, yeah. I mean, I, I came out of that Palace game thinking that we're such a great team when things are going well, and you know probably the best team in the world when things. Are going well, our system mm. is, is perhaps unrivaled and the system works effectively nine times out of ten. But if you can come to City, come to the Etihad, get an early lead like Palace did, sit on that and frustrate the life out of them, then then City are one of the worst teams in the league at being one nil down, and probably the worst team in the world at two nil down. Like, and we don't really have anyone at the moment who can kind of like pull a rabbit out of the hat and do something from nothing a bit like Liverpool have with Salah sometimes Kevin De Bruyne has been that player he's been quite poor this season he he was much better at Old Trafford and and hopefully that's the start of a bit of a revival for him but I do feel sometimes City are a bit slavish to the system and aren't very kind of individually creative sometimes there isn't that, that kind of spark is missing sometimes but yeah, I mean, obviously, as we've seen, and we're going to come on to Liverpool in a second, they're going to drop points this season. Chelsea drop points at home to, to, to Chelsea at the weekend. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be one of those seasons where you have to win almost every game to win the league, and, and a few slip-ups here and there might be might be okay. But um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it's a very interesting title race, one of the most interesting that we've had for a long time, isn't it, the way things are things are shaping up, particularly after, after that 3-2 defeat for Liverpool at West Ham on Sunday. Uh, that was their first defeat of the season, meaning Arsenal's invincible record will now be preserved for at least one more year. Um, I'm going to come to you first on this game, Matt, and I want to ask you if you thought West Ham's opening goal straight from the corner was uh, was correct to be allowed to stand. Yeah, I think it was. I, 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 there was there was two there was the two decisions of VAR, so the foul and the potential handball. I just think the goalkeepers have such an advantage being able to reach up that mm. unless they're unless they're really impeded. You know, they can sort of use their hands in all sorts of directions and angles. And I don't think there was enough to warrant a foul on him. And then I don't think it hit his hand afterwards. So, no, I don't see any reason why not. Yeah. I mean, Klopp wasn't happy about that one, was he, Joel? He wasn't happy about the Aaron Cresswell challenge either. Did you have any complaints about either of those? No complaints about the the, the goal. Um, I think Allison's just not been strong enough there, and I don't think uh, Angela Bonner does, does anything wrong. He, he's just he's just being strong, basically, and, and like Matt put it perfectly there, goalkeepers going to use their hands. I, I hate the fact that it seems to be every time a, a player goes into a goalkeeper in any corner, the, the foul gets blown up, and, and, and this time it didn't, so maybe that's a sign that maybe referee are going to start being a sort of lenient on that, which which is good. Um, but uh, for the for the foul, though, I, I do think Cresswell should have been sent. And um, you know, who knows what what could have happened from the game from there. But you saw in the game earlier that day there, uh, Mason Holgate gets sent for for everything against mm. uh, against Tottenham. The same uh, which thing. Are, and it's been, yeah, pretty much the same tackle, isn't it? The way that sort of mm. makes contact with the ball first and goes up, and there are, you know there are stills. But if you look at stills on the inside, they always look bad. But you can clearly see for a period of time, it, both his feet are off the ground, and he makes a contact with, with Henderson. And um, especially, it's I can understand the referee maybe not giving it straight away, but once I've had a look at it, I don't really understand what they've seen to to not go against the original decision, but. It's it's just one of them. But I, I don't, you know, that decision or not, I don't think Liverpool can hide behind that. West West Ham deserved to win. Liverpool didn't play well and didn't really deserve to get anything out of the game. And I can't use that as possible red card as an excuse. 
Yeah. By the way, I've been watching football for quite a long time now. I won't say exactly how long, but quite a long time. <laughs> and I'd never heard before yesterday a goal from a corner being called an Olympico before. Did you guys, were you familiar what? with that term already? No, Do you know not, what the origin of it is? Not until yesterday, no. Never heard of it. Yeah, oh. me neither. Yeah, you learn something new every day, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of that goal again, Joel, do, do we need to talk about Allison's form? Do you think? I mean, he was he was a little bit um, sloppy on the second West Ham goal as well, wasn't he? Is 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 his form becoming a bit of a concern? Is Liverpool defending becoming a bit, a bit of a concern for you? I think Allison's form isn't. I think he's just had a bad day there. He's he's been. You know, he saved Liverpool countless times this year where he's made a number of saves from one on ones and, and been you know, been back to sort of his best. He did he did have a you know a bit of a dodgy season last season, um, as many Liverpool players did. But I think this season he's been in form. He just had a bad one yesterday and the the, the second goal for Alice's goal, I can understand why there's a bit of criticism, but it's it's a hard one to save as well. He's one on one, isn't he? As well, it's yeah. Uh, I thought I was just whacked at him. I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in goal. I've never been able to just save a shot when someone just whacked it at me. But yeah. um, what can you do? But the, the defending in general is a real cause for concern. And um, you know, Liverpool conceded three goals to Brentford, West Ham, and and two at Brighton. And it's it's something that with, with that defensive record and, and the way we look defensively at the moment, I don't think Liverpool can maintain a title challenge unless something changes there. Um, they're just Liverpool have been fantastic going forward this year and the plan does seem to be get to three goals as quickly as possible. And, <laughs> and, and maybe and it sounds simple, but Liverpool have been doing it, it's been working well and, and I've, I've wondered whether they just haven't been able to sort of get the defence up to speed just yet. I mean, Van Dijk I think played all right yesterday and has been all right since coming back, but judging by his, his own high standards, he's just not quite there yet. Obviously, he's returning from a long-term injury and maybe he's just not as, as sharp as he should be. And, mm. you know, we you know, let's, let's look at that again after Christmas or, you know, end of January and, and, and see how well he's, he's managed to maintain his, uh, from, his form from injury from there. But, it, yeah, it's just... I'm not actually sure it's an individual thing with that. I think you know, Virgil van Dijk and John Matip have been okay. Matip's been one of Liverpool's best players, but the, the wing-backs and the way they play, they do leave Liverpool open on a number of times, and they usually are quite good at getting back and covering that space. But it's also the, the midfield is good at doing the job and, and covering that space for them and, and, and keeping Liverpool protected, um, especially for being in front of the back, being a back four. And then um, Henderson's good up and down that right, covering Trent. But it's... They've not been able to get a sort of balanced midfield yet this season. Um, and I do wonder if Liverpool started to pay the cost of not having Ginny Wijnaldum there anymore. Because Wijnaldum was someone who, you know, if you're an opposition fan, um, not supporting Liverpool, you don't sort of know what he does mm. or can say he's good at this particular thing. But as a Liverpool fan, you sort of, you can see what he does every game, what his job is. And he's just so important off the ball. And, he was also available every game and Liverpool haven't had that in the midfield this year. They've not replaced them directly and they've tried to bring other players into it and we've had a number of injuries there. So Klopp has not been able to sort of build the next Wijnaldum, let's say, or the next version of Liverpool midfield. And I actually think that could be more of a factor in Liverpool's defensive form more than anything else. Mm. Do you think it's uh, it's become a bit of an issue? Like, I mean, Salah's not scored the last couple of games. Has he? Is there a bit of over-reliance on him at the moment? Because I didn't think Mane was very good in this game. Possibly. It's a fair question to ask. I'm not too concerned about Liverpool not being able to score a goal. I mean, yesterday, West Ham made it really difficult yesterday and mm. we didn't look like scoring and we still scored two goals. Liverpool will always yeah. find a way to score goals even without Salah, I think. Um, that Origi goal was great, by the way. <laughs> he's just a world-class player, you know what I mean? <laughs> just have a statue. But it's, it's it's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you when you got someone like Salah, you, you're always going to try and turn to him when you need moments of magic and more often than that he, he doesn't and Liverpool need to get better at finding the, the next person to take that up but I, th- I think Sally Manny's been in good form this season misses a city yesterday yeah. like but I don't think that's that much of a concern for me now I think Liverpool have worked on because they had problems last year going forward and, and scoring goals and creating chances they clearly worked on that and they've improved it's now just the other way which they need to sort out again yeah and, and I think a few teams are going to struggle at West Ham uh, this season they're up to, yeah. up to third in the table now I mean Matt should we even be surprised by results like this anymore and, and do you think West Ham could be in with an even stronger shout for top four this season could they even be in with a shout for the title 
Uh, the title might be going a bit They've far. scored more goals than um, City, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe just a little <laughs> bit too far, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah. I don't think it should be a surprise. They're a bit more than just a flash in the pan. They've been building up to this with some really good signings. I think especially Jared Bowen is really, really good. Mm, yeah. Um, for now, seems to be getting better and finding his feet. Antonio, when you look back at you know them signing a sort of right-back turned right-winger from Forest to go and be their highest Premier League goal scorer um, is, is bizarre. So it's not, it, it, it's kind of, it's been a while coming. And I think Moyes has previous pedigree doing this. We saw him take Everton into fourth, you know, all those years ago, 15 years ago, I think now. Um, and you could see what he can do. I feel like they're similar sized clubs, the way he took Everton from two, um, you know, all the way up into leading him to mm-hmm. getting the Manchester United job. So I don't think it should be a surprise given the signings, the size of the club, or Moyes. And I think, yeah, this is probably something we'll talk about a lot more frequently, um, especially at home, is, is big wins. I'm trying to think, you know, they knocked City out of the cup there, they beat Spurs there a couple of weeks back, they've just beaten Liverpool. Um, you know, if if Noble hadn't missed a penalty, they would have uh, they would have got some points against Manchester United in that in the last minute. Um, so yeah, no, I think it shouldn't be a surprise at all. It's actually very annoying as a Spurs fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I have to give the credit where credit's due, but really, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is an absolute <laughs> nightmare. As if Chelsea and Arsenal, some sort of revolution, is bad enough. Yeah, throw what next? Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> not the well, not the way they're playing yeah, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny you should mention the Manchester United job because, you know, it's, it's hard not to feel that if David Moyes hadn't already tried and failed to manage at Old Trafford, you know, people would probably be talking about him as a, mm, as a possible so. candidate for the next manager. Is that, is that a stupid yeah. thing to say, Joel? No, but I don't think... He, Give him I, another I, chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love it. I'd drive him there myself. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, some managers and some clubs just don't fit. And I think Moyes went through a period of his career where he just really struggled. Like, he he, he did bad, He did a bad job there. He did bad jobs at Sociedad um, and at Sunderland. And he's now found his home again. And, and like Matt said, a club is perfect for, you know, perfect size. And he's just come across a really good environment. And sometimes some managers just don't work. No matter, you know, there's no real logic to that. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, no, I mean, if my United want to hire him, uh, might hire him again, then, then great. I think they should do. You know, if, if anyone from my United listened, then, you know, go for it. <laughs> It's weird to think that West Ham had Moyes, then got rid of him, then got Pellegrini, then got rid of Pellegrini, then brought Moyes back, isn't it? Because I remember when he came back thinking, what the fuck are they doing? Like, that, that's not <laughs> just not going to work. And yeah, shows what I know. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Tottenham now, Matt, because you've, yeah. you've got a new manager since uh, since we last did a podcast. His Premier yeah. League debut, Antonio Conte, that is, uh, came with a 0-0 draw away at Everton on Sunday. After that awful performance in that defeat to United last week, were you glad to see the back of Nuno and, and how pleased are you? with the appointment of Conte? Um, I wasn't glad to see the back of him in the sort of harsh way, but it was clear, just, just like Joel said, some managers and clubs don't fit and that just was not a fit. Mm. I think it was very clear from early on when you look past the results, look at the performances, that it just wasn't going to work out in the long run. Um, and I think Daniel Levy knew that with only a two-year deal. I think he knew that this may not have been the real long-term project. Having said that, bringing Conte is absolutely brilliant, I think. I think considering that nobody really scoffed at the idea of him joining United, it seems like a legitimate thing. You know, it seemed like a, a, a winner in Antonio Conte going to a big club at United. It seemed like a legitimate signing. The same thing with Barcelona. So for Tottenham to get him <laughs> is, yeah, is absolutely crazy. I'm really, really happy with it. I think... People have been saying I'm a bit too negative defensive football during comparisons with Mourinho. I was like, yeah, but Mourinho was successful a decade ago. You know, yeah. Conte's, Conte's recent success. And Conte I, was successful I, a few weeks ago, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Just won a league exactly. title. Yeah, so. Exactly. So I think <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to, to think that after going for what was it, our fifth choice manager or something silly in the summer, um, to be able to go out and get, let's be honest, the most successful manager on the market as a free agent, you know, is pretty good. Yeah. Why do you think he said no to Spurs in the summer and yes now? Yeah, I, I was talking about this the other day with a, with a couple of mates. It must be, there must have been, I think, a bit of desperation on Daniel Levy's part. Mm. A bit of, you know, he wouldn't want to pay whatever Conte wanted or give him assurances or a transfer budget or something. 
there was something that he wasn't willing to budge on, which he's had to bite his bite his tongue and say, oh, you know what, I made the wrong decision. I might as well sack Nuno now and, you know, I'll give you what you want, Antonio, basically. Mm. Um, and I also think from Conte's point of view, maybe he was sort of sick and tired of waiting for Manchester United. Maybe, you know, if I was waiting for the United job and I saw the Liverpool game, I'd think, right, they're going to sack Ole any minute now. <laughs> my phone is going to go. And you see him in charge of the next game and you think, what? He must be sitting there going, you know what? United are clearly never going to sack this bloke. Yeah. So I'm not going to hang around and wait for him. I'll take I'll take the Tottenham job. So maybe it's a bit on both parts, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, aside from improving results and, and possibly winning uh, one of those shiny trophy things, what what's the biggest change in, in this sort of short term that you're hoping to see from Spurs under Conte? Oh, well, funnily enough, as much as I thought the game at the weekend was actually pretty poor, um, the change I want to see is Tottenham being more difficult to beat. Mm. It is exactly what I want to see is is defensively far more sturdier. The amount of times Tottenham have conceded three goals this season, three to United at home, three to Palace away, three to Arsenal away. Um, you know, you just can't really be conceding that many goals, coupled with the fact that Kane's been on form. But you can't concede that many and still hope to win football matches. <laughs> it's just really, it's not going to work. So, so yeah, to keep a clean sheet at the weekend is is an improvement, but less said about the attacking, um, the better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pe- people point to the, the the fact they didn't have a shot on target at Everton, they didn't have a shot mm. on target against United last week. They did hit the post against Everton, so they very nearly scored a goal, but is, yeah. is that a bit of a concern that, I mean, you mentioned Kane there, is his form becoming a bit of a problem at the moment? Or It is. You know, usually there's a dip in form, and I think a dip lasts four or five games, but we're talking, you know... We're, what, three months into the season now? And there's one Premier League goal. I think it's a bit more than concerning um, for me. I, I, but again, look, under Antonio Conte, things could be different. I think there's going to be a new style that everyone's going to have to adapt to. He's very famous, Conte, for having these partnerships up front, which I think something Kane hasn't particularly done throughout his career. Mm. He's great link-up play with Son coming from the left wing. But in terms of an actual partner... You know, you're, you're talking about something that Kane's going to have to learn and sort of understand, and it's not going to be something that maybe is, is picked up instantly. It obviously depends who plays up front. Is there a new signing coming in? But yeah, I I, I am a little bit worried about Kane's form for this season. And of course, I, I still think there's a bit of a transfer hangover. Yeah. Well, even Son's not really hit the heights of previous mm. seasons. I see there was that chance in the second half where he sort of dragged it across goal and wide. And you thought yeah. Son would usually bag there. But on this occasion, he just seems a little bit like he's not really got going. Yeah. And with going to a 3-5-2, it's like at United, without any obvious wingers... You know, I bet Sancho's thinking, well, where does this leave me in a 3-5-2? <laughs> uh, you know, the same with Son. You've either got to go forward to become a centre-forward or you've got to go back and become a wing-back, yeah. a la Victor Moses. So, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? If you're Son, you're thinking, well, hold on, where do I fit in here? So, mm. it's going to take some time. See, that's why I never play 3-5-2 on, on Football Manager because I like my wingers to, to be up Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. asking them to come back is just a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joel, do you think Everton should have had a penalty in this game for that Hugo Lloris challenge on Richarlison? When I first saw it um, in, you know, in real time, I, I did think Lloris get, gets the ball and Richarlison sort of just tries to buy it a bit. But the more and more you see it in the replay, I, I do think, I, you know, I do think it is a penalty. I, I can understand it's, it's one of them which is it could be either side, so maybe understand why he's sort of in on the side of caution in the end. But um, I mean, I guess the referee does give it originally, so you know. Maybe they should, you know, they should have stuck with that. And mm. but yeah, I think they've Spurs have kind of got away with one there. Um, Richardson does really well to make up the ground to get there though, because when the ball goes through, it looks like Larissa's ball every day of the week, and Richardson just gets his foot there, and it's, it's just one of them. Larissa has a bit of a problem sometimes coming off his line, and it, you know, I think they, yeah, they got away with one there, haven't they? Yeah, he got a tiny glove on the ball, didn't he? But I don't think it's uh, enough to negate the foul. Really, I was, I was really surprised that got turned over. Yeah, you very rarely see them overturned. That's what I was yeah. quite shocked at. Usually, if it's a fifty, they'll go. Nah, okay, we'll just stick with our original decision. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no wins for Everton in five matches now after making a pretty good start to the season. We were talking yesterday, Joel, about the uh, the Goodison Park vitriolic <laughs> roar. Uh, are you sensing some some rumblings of discontent towards Rafa on Merseyside yet? 
I think there was rumblings of discontent on the first day he sat, you know, he joined them, <laughs> yeah. um, and they've only got loud there. But no, they did have a good start to the season, and I think some of the fans were starting to come round to him. But this was always there was always going to be a bit of discontent as soon as they went through a poor spell of form, whether that be this season or you know the end of this season or next season. Um, as soon as you know Benitez goes through a bad run of form. It, they were going to turn on him and, and maybe they are starting to a little bit I, I don't think it's gone full whack just yet because I think of some Everton fans well the majority should I say they're kind of thinking you know what else would they try after this like you know what's their next step what's their next role um, if it's not going to work with Benitez you know where do they go next mm. and I, th- I think it's a bit harsh for Everton at the moment because they're suffering from a lot of injuries. You know, uh, Decore has you know been one of the standout mm. performances in the league this season for me, and you know he's been missing for a couple of weeks and still got a few weeks left. And Dominic Calvert Lewin is one of them where you know he's been out for you know they said he's going to be out for a couple of weeks and it's now looking like two three months. Mm. And you know they've not you know Richardson's not actually been there that much either. You know he starts on yesterday, but he's not been completely match fit. And Yeri you know, Mina's been out as well, hasn't he? He was exactly, good for them. Yeah. And, and this is it. You know, as soon as you take you know the the former three out of the team, never mind Mina, they are going to struggle. And with Mina as well, I think with Everton's defense is a real problem at the moment because Michael Keane, I think's always been a bit of a solid defender, but. He's, he's one of them that he can be made to look very silly very quickly and he, he seems to make a mistake every game and mm. he seems to get punished every game. And uh, Mason Holgate's one of them. He, again, like, I always thought Holgate was a bit of sort of, you know, had a bit about him, but mm. he seems to have gone off the boil a bit and I, I don't know why that is and you now we've missed him for three games anyway. Um, could be a blessing in disguise, to be honest with yeah. you. But um, Benitez's size, they do get set up defensively very well. And that's the main thing, the first thing he sorts out. But that doesn't look to have happened just yet. You know, you can see his five in a game recently. And I guess yesterday they do look more solid, but I'm not sure Spurs gave him too much to think about. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think if this run of form continues and they you know, lose two or three more games before Christmas, I think... December could be a tricky time for Rafa. The kerosene's coming out then, is it? For, <laughs> just inside Sorry, Christmas. <laughs> uh, Chelsea had to settle for a point after conceding a late equaliser against Burnley on Saturday. Um, they should really have put this one to bed much earlier in the game after missing a number of chances. Uh, no Romelu Lukaku. Do you think they lack a bit of cutting edge without him, Matt? Yeah, you'd have to say so. I mean, it, it, I think it was clear last season that Werner wasn't really going to be relied upon too much as, as, as your big goal getter. And I think that's why they signed Lukaku in the first place. Um, yeah, I think it's always going to be difficult without him. I mean, the, the way that Havertz plays, it's great if you can use him in a false nine, but I'm still not sure he's going to, if, if you switch up the system when Lukaku is not in there, it's not really going to provide the same goal threat. Mm. And I think Lukaku is really good at bringing others into play as well. Um, and it kind of it changes quite a lot without him. It's not like you're swapping like for like strikers. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they, when they're put, it's not it's not like that at all. So I think, yeah. Look. If the, the guy scores a ridiculous amount of goals, you're going to struggle without him the team. Yeah, that, I mean that's it for, for a sort of one-off game like this. You say they probably should have won this game. Mm. It just wasn't their day, but you kind of extrapolate that over a longer period, and it becomes a bit of a problem, doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't exactly. think they're like City, where they have a system that is like so good that they don't really need a striker. I do think they do need someone in there to finish those chances. So mm. they're going to need need mm. Lukaku on his game because, because like you say, Werner isn't going to deliver the goals, is he? Um, I bet you didn't think you'd ever see Ross Barkley starting a Premier League game again for Chelsea, did you, Joel? <laughs> yeah, my head's not actually readjusted to me to me next year. So I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> when fell fell relatively uh, true off. Um, <laughs> um, the thing is, Ross, like, ah, well, Barkley, don't mind talking like I know him, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you and Rossi go way back, do you? <laughs> oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> Santa Chapito is Liverpool, you know. Um, might have cut that one out, I think, Dan. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's. Um... I'm not going to cut it out, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Barkley I mean last season he starts really well on loan at Villa and um, and then doesn't get a game after Christmas like he barely starts and you know barely even comes off and, and you think you know what's his next career move and you know if he, if he can't get in a sort of a mid-table side like Villa he's not going to be able to get back into Chelsea and um, I was surprised when you know he didn't see him even move out on loan in the summer and you know, you're thinking he's not going to kick a ball for six months here and, and surely he'll move on in January, but 
he's you know he's come on at Juventus in the Champions League. He's you know made a sub appearance there, and you know he's played a few Carabao Cup games, and you know gets the Premier League stars. And you wonder whether he's doing something in training to to impress. Uh, Tommy Tuckle, and maybe he is a fair play to him because I've always thought he's a talented player, but just maybe not quite intelligent enough to fit into a you know a you know a top six side. But maybe he's uh, maybe he's improved on that side of things. Yeah, well, if he's if he's impressing Tuckle in, in training, then Sal Niguez must be doing some horrendous stuff in training because he's not getting a game for loving the money at the moment. Is he? That's such a weird situation. I don't understand yes. why they signed him in the first place. Really, why yeah. no one else wanted him, and why he's not playing? Yeah, it's just really weird. Yeah, I was I was all for Liverpool getting him because mm. you know we were strongly linked for him. I thought he'd been perfect to him, Wijnaldum replacements. But he he, he makes his debut against Villa and um, gets taken off at half time, and you know barely been seen since, uh, apart from a few cup appearances. And yeah. you know you just wonder whether he's just you know not quite adjusted to Tuckle's methods and what he wants from midfielders just yet. But you know it's come up to December now, and you're thinking, well, when is that going to happen? Yeah, I always think, how do you know he's not adjusted if you don't play him? Like, <laughs> Surely you can't learn everything on the training pitch. Surely you have to sometimes just give players a chance and see what they yeah, can do. It's, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah, uh, There was a bit of a flashpoint between the two benches in the first half of this game. With Well, well Sean Dyche denied it was a flashpoint and said he didn't know what flashpoint meant after the game, which I thought was quite interesting. <laughs> uh, but Burnley coach Steve Stone apparently told the Chelsea bench to show some respect. Uh, after the game, Dyche was asked about it. He said, I'm not hard at all. I'm just a normal bloke trying to win a football match. Something we can all relate to, I think. <laughs> he really, he really is the people's champion, isn't he? Um, do you think it's fair, Matt, that Burnley often get labelled as this sort of dirty, rough and tumble kind of team? Are, are they, are they more dirty than anyone else in the league? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, I don't know. Ever since Stoke left the Premier League, the media and English football fans love to pin some sort of working class, cold, it's snobbery, town. isn't it? Really? Yeah, it yeah. is. They love to pin that sort of, I don't know, it's sort of a, a relic of football years gone yeah. by, sort of old English style onto a team. And Burnley seem to be the team that have that have been labelled with that. I don't, wouldn't particularly say they're any dirtier than any other team. Maybe, you know, look, they've got a lot of um, lot of English players, a lot of UK-based players. That I could see why they'd be fitted with it, but they don't. I think they play some decent football at times, got some yeah. really good players, yeah. and I, I would never... Sean Dyche wouldn't strike me as, as as someone like that, not at all. And I think he just you, sounds tough. Yeah, and you are also I mean, <laughs> you are also entitled to kind of like do what you can to to level the playing field a bit sometimes. Which doesn't mean yeah. you go out and blatantly foul people, but you know, getting in people's faces a little bit and, and letting them know you're there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that really. A bit of kind of mm. gamesmanship. I think people sometimes uh look at it as if it's the worst thing in the world, but it's not really, is it, when there's such financial disparity in the league, these teams have got to compete. Oh my somehow. god. And you're yeah. telling me that the top teams aren't physical and getting in people's faces and, you know, getting a little little edge wherever they can. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. It's like mm. people were going insane at the Etihad last week about Palace time it's like they're entitled to do that if the referee isn't going to stop them yeah, then they've got they've got to do whatever they can to kind of kind of get an edge on the game and yeah mm. it worked 100%. yep uh, Arsenal are up to the heady heights of fifth in the Premier League after a 1-0 win over Watford on Sunday Claudio Ranieri wasn't happy with Arsenal's goal in this game and he made his thoughts very clear to Mikel Arteta at full time and did he have a point there do you think Joel? I don't think so with, with Arteta I mean the, the lad goes down and I'm not quite sure it looks like a you know, a head injury straight away, but the referee doesn't stop it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was it was Kevin Friend. He doesn't stop the play. You, you can clearly see the Watford player go down and build up to the goal, and he doesn't choose to stop it. And the referee's prerogative. And you know, Arsenal, especially when they got the ball in the final third, they're not going to stop the play. I, I'd be fuming if Liverpool stopped yeah. uh, that situation. So, you know, man, I can understand Man United being annoyed, obviously, and especially when you, know, you lose by one goal. And you know they're well within sort of the chance to get a point in that game, but um, but but no, I think you should more take his you know disagreement with uh, with Kevin Friend rather than than Arteta. Fair play to Arsenal carrying on. You think it was a foul on Saar though from Maitland Niles? I don't, I don't even think it was a foul. No, I, I think know. it was to be honest. Yeah, well, I think he's just a little bit. It's a bit aggressive. But I think he brings the ball back for well nothing in my eyes. Mm. Yeah, because Danny Rose put the ball out, wasn't it? And it was that two fan and he was down and then he just sort of got up and carried on playing and Arsenal was sort of like, well, if you're up on your feet, then we're not going <laughs> to throw the ball back to you. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah, so the lesson there is if you go down and someone kicks the ball out, just stay down until the physio comes on and waste everyone's time, I guess, isn't it? That's the only way to do it. Um, it was Emil Smith-Rowe who did score the goal. Were you a bit surprised that he was overlooked by Gareth Southgate for the latest England squad, Matt? 
Uh, on on form, yeah, but I I looked at it and the um, I I just don't think it makes sense to bring them out of the under twenty ones. Mm. They've got they've got a Euro qualifier, um, and England have got Albania and San Marino. And with the greatest respect to them, I don't think I don't think it's worth disrupting the progression and the form of the under twenty ones by bringing him in for what would most probably be you know a ten minute sub appearance. Mm. Um, he's got plenty of time to be around the England squad. He, it, we, I, I think Southgate 100% knows that he's good enough. Um, I just think he probably would have spoken with um, Lee Carsley, isn't it? Yeah. They just sort of made the decision. It's not really worth pulling apart a strong a strong youth team if you're just going to you know, give them the experience of being around the squad or, like I said, a couple of minutes at the end of a game against San Marino. It's not, it's not quite worth it. Yeah, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Really, probably. If yeah, he's exactly. Playing like this before he gets in, so yeah, I'm sure he's probably not. Too, There's no rush. Too about no. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another Arsenal player who impressed in this game was Nuno Tavares. Um, bit of talk that he might be a a, a, a threat to Kieran Tierney's place at left back. Do you, do you think he's 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 looking like he's going to be that good, Joel? He's uh, doing himself uh, no harm at all at the moment. Yeah. He's uh, he's coming done well, been solid, and I think he clearly see he's got a bit of something about him going forward as well. And I think the issue with, with Tierney is just being able to stay fit. Um, I think Tierney's a, you know I think he's got potential to be a top class footballer and look, looked incredible at Celtic, and it's it's not quite happened at Arsenal just yet. I think for a mixture of you know. Arteta comes in and plays five at the back, and and, mess, and Tierney sort of has to go back into to left centre half for a bit. And, and since he's moved to four at the back, he's he's not been able to sort of get get up to speed fitness wise, and keeps getting little knocks here and there. And I, I think you know it's I, I don't I think, don't think Tierney should be too concerned just yet. I mean he's, he's definitely got a lot of breathing down his neck, but as soon as Tierney is you know fully match fit, I think he goes back in. But then the question will be can. Tierney perform for you know five six games in a row, you know stay fit and you know nail down that place again. But it's it'll, it'll be there'll be a question at the end of the season. I think if, if that's not the case anyway. Yeah, everyone always wants to have competition for places, don't they? They say it's the the thing that all teams aspire to. So good that Arsenal have got a couple of good players in that position, I suppose. And I'm sure it'll pain you to 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 say this, Matt. But but do you think Arsenal genuinely have a top a shot at top four this season? No, <laughs> I, I think they're on a good run of form, but I don't think they've got got it over the course of the whole season. Um, it seems like everyone's talking about a top four shot. We got West Ham and then Leicester and then United. <laughs> How many spots are in the top four? I mean, four look, last I, time I checked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think in, in some sort of mixture, I can't say which order now, but you've got to look at Liverpool, Chelsea, and City as the top three. Mm. Um, so one spot to fight for, are oh, they really going to overtake, you know, potentially United, Leicester, West Ham? I don't think they've quite got what it, what it takes to break into the top four, but certainly they're looking stronger than last season. Yeah, that that relegation talk seems uh, a bit silly at this point, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. That we were talking about after the, the I first, was never few involved, games. I had more class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to delete all my fake Twitter accounts now. Let's see what you've got to say about Norwich in a minute then, Matt. Your, uh, oh, yeah. Your favourite your yeah, yeah. yeah, They got their first win of the season when they won 2-1 away at Brentford on Saturday. Uh, but the rather surprising news to come out afterwards was that they had sacked manager Daniel Fark. Apparently the decision had been made before the game, which suggests that they kind of expected to lose and it would be a, a very, <laughs> very simple one for everyone to take. But, I mean, the timing was odd, Joel, but do you think it was the right decision? Yeah, I don't think it'd be not an odd decision if um, if Norwich had lost that game. I think I think it's been a long time coming, sadly. And um, yeah, they'd, lost, they'd lost the... Well, they'd not won in 20 games before, before Saturday and... I think Norwich haven't looked like at any stage this season. It may be until Saturday, looking like a team that can, you know, have a chance of staying up and that change has to be made. You know, Fark's done a great job for them um, in terms of getting two promotions, but it maybe just isn't quite cut out enough for, for Premier League, which which can be the case. And um, he'll, I'm sure he'll get work elsewhere and be fine. But yeah, Norwich, I think, has to make a decision. And, yeah. you know, interesting to see what they do next. Yeah, that's it. It's funny because there's been all this talk about Norwich having um, a squad that's too good for the Championship, but not good enough for the Premier League. And I'm, mm. I'm thinking, is it the squad or was it Daniel Fark? And we'll find out now, won't we? But if another man comes in and, and, and does well and keeps them up, then... It was it was his fault all along, I guess. Which is a bit. I mean, I did. I do feel really sorry for him, especially after his little upbeat interview that he did after the Brentford game, and then apparently <laughs> yeah. he, went, he went into the dressing room, did his post match team talk. The players all left, and the, the the director of football was like, "Can we have a word, Daniel?" <laughs> 
<laughs> can imagine uh, how that news probably went down. Um, they've been linked with Frank Lampard as, as one of the potential candidates. Would that be a, a wise appointment, do you think, Matt? The way you've just described it there sounds proper partridge. And that's not <laughs> yeah. a Norwich thing. But that really, he sort of walks out all happy as Larry out of the dressing room. Yeah. Uh, Alan, quick word. Yeah, that's terrible. Give um, us a second series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I think Lampard, I think whether he or whoever else comes in, there has to be one eye on, are they good enough to get them up from the championship next season? Mm. that has to be in the thinking. I know they've got their first win. I know we're only 11 games into the season, but looking at the quality of the squad, there has to be this sort of idea. And I think Lampard is that kind of guy. I think Lampard could use the experience in the Premier League. I think he could use the experience of going down with a strong team and winning the championship as well. Um, I think it would be a wise choice because, yeah, like I said, they've given... Two relegations to Farker, I believe. They're giving him two shots at yeah. getting back up. So, look, if if Lampard can take a step down from the high pressures of Chelsea and they say, right, cut your teeth, basically. You're going to learn with this squad. You're going to become a better manager. Get You can get relegated this season. That's fine. We'll stick by you. You've got a shot in the championship to get us back up. And then, you know, back in the Premier League for whenever that will be, 2023-24, I think it will be a good move for him. I think it will be quite a wise appointment to give him a bit of stability, um, you know, and say, look, you've got at least two or three years because the, the opposite to this is completely deny the fact they're in, um, completely ignore the championship next season and think, right, we're going to stay up this season. Let's go call Big Sam or let's call someone else and look at it short term, which I don't think is going to do them any favours anyway. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, yeah, twenty-seven games to go. The five points from safety—it's not—it's far from insurmountable. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah, if it is if they are going to accept that they're going yeah. to go down this season, then you do you do want uh, a given their recent attempts at survival, which have been pretty damn poor yeah. um, by all accounts. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not saying they should give up hope just yet. With what was it, eighty-one points to play for? <laughs> but, um, but but yeah, you, you know what I mean. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. any manager would have half an eye on it. Definitely. Well, that's our four defeats on the bounce for Brentford in the Premier League after their brilliant start. Do you think maybe they should be a little concerned, Joel? I think they will be, yeah. Um, this always seems to happen with, well, with a lot of you know, new teams that you know they'll start the season well and eventually does revert to the mean, but not necessarily as quick as it has done with Brentford. And um, I, I think they've been really a bit unlucky, especially the Leicester and Chelsea games they come up against. You know, Edward Mendy against against Chelsea. Um, I said from Mister Chester and sorry, uh, <laughs> Edward Mendy in the Chelsea game, and he was an inspired form. And I think with Leicester, they're unlucky to, to lose that. And I, I think they're just paying the price for not being clinical enough in both boxes at the moment. Um, Ivan Tony and, and Brian Bemo have been great and, and look like a really good partnership, but they're just not sticking it in at the moment. And defensively, I think they they were solid at the start and. Just you know, they've, they have lost David Raya for the season. Or it looks like the season yeah, with a bad a big injury. One, that, isn't it? Yeah. that 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 could kill them. It, it could become literally. It's down to fine margins at the moment, and it could come down to that. Um, but I, I think they'll be all right eventually. I think they've got enough about them to be all right. But yeah, it's um, looking like it's going down fast at the moment now. Yeah, certainly is. Yeah. Well, another club who've uh, got a new manager is Newcastle. Their one-one uh, draw away at Brighton on Saturday means they've now made the worst start to a season in the club's history. But they just announced before we started recording that they've got Eddie Howe as their new manager. What do you reckon with, with that one, Joel? Is is he going to be the the man to steer them away from relegation trouble? It's a really weird one because. I'm not quite sure how good or how bad Eddie Howe actually is as a manager because there was on one hand where he lifted a team, like a literally football manager move, lifted a team from you know League Two to the Premier League and, and, and did well. But then there's also the fact that he spent a lot of money during his time at Bournemouth and, and they didn't really have anything to show for it and they were awful the season he went down and... You know, he, so maybe he's just not quite great at recruitments, but that could be fine because Newcastle look like they're going to hire a director of football who will deal with all that kind of thing. Um, and maybe he is just good at coaching, which, okay, you know, Newcastle look like a team more than any other team in the league apart from Man United who needs to be coached at the moment. So I think, you know, maybe Eddie Howe can, can do something there. And I think we're, we're now going to see how good he is. I think obviously the jury will be out. He's got a job on because Newcastle haven't won a game yet. And 
Um, but again, they need two wins to get out um, because you know there's still plenty of points and plenty of games to, to play for. And we're about to see how good Eddie Howe is. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I stand at the moment. You know, he was building this net bright young thing as, as we talked before recording. Yeah. Dan about um, he was tipped for the Arsenal and England jobs a couple of years ago, and you know that didn't that didn't seem dead unsurmountable, did it? But you know, he's, he's fallen off a cliff since then, so let's see if he can get back on it. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii the lads was the Newcastle tweet that they went for. Not how soon is how that I said they should have gone, but never mind, eh? Um, yeah, only team in the league without a win this season. If they were to go down, Matt, how much of a setback do you think relegation would be to, the, to their projects, their lavishly funded projects? I've actually, well, I just talked about it with Lampard and Norwich. I think it's the same thing with mm. how and Newcastle. I think he could be good enough to keep them up, He's definitely good enough to get them back up if they go back down. Yeah. Um, next season, it is a bit of a setback. I think it's more of an embarrassment than anything. I mean, you're the richest club in the world, and you play in the second division of English <laughs> football. Um, Imagine the team they could have in the championship, though. It'd be yeah, funny, <laughs> this is the other thing. Yeah. It'd be every every football manager playing like that. Not that a, a sort of souped up version of that Notts County team they tried to assemble under Sven Joran Eriksson a few years oh, ago. So Campbell for like one game. Yeah, yeah I remember that. I love seeing yeah. Kylian Mbappe play at Barnes here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. all for it. Um, I, I think the I think the project is a little bit more long term than that. So yeah, yeah look, I, I think it would be very embarrassing um, for them to go down, but I have no doubt that they, they'd smash the division and come back up a bit. A bit. Yeah. Bit stronger, a bit better. Yep. Uh, Brighton have quietly gone six games without a win now. That's uh, one to keep an eye on. I think. I don't think their uh, sort of early season form is is necessarily going to last for the whole season, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The the XG champions are suddenly uh, <laughs> fallen, <laughs> fallen foul of it again. <laughs> uh, the weekend began on Friday night with Southampton beating Aston Villa one 0 at St Mary's. It was then announced on Sunday that Aston Villa had sacked Dean Smith following five successive defeats. Uh, were you surprised by that one, Matt, or did you sense it was coming with them? Well, I feel a little bit surprised because they sit, they they backed him through some poor form, and I, I really, you know, he's an Aston Villa fan, and it seemed that the club had a real connection with him. Um, but then on the other hand, yeah, when you mentioned the poor form, especially after the investment that Villa have made, they do not want to slip into a relegation battle. Um, you don't want all these players on big wages and big fees and whatever other relegation clauses they've got in there um, going down. So I think they've kind of had to make the change. I feel it was a little bit harsh. Um, you know, having lost Jack Grealish, I know mm. they've tried to replace him. But you're going from someone like Grealish, who made an impact every single game. You know, he was their key player for years. To bringing in players who might need a bit of time to settle, and just like you know, it, it would be harsh to judge to judge Leon Bailey after eight games, uh, eleven games, right? Mm. So it's therefore harsh to judge a team on just eleven games without Grealish. They're still getting yeah. used to missing, you know, a key player. I think. It's a bit of an extreme example, but I think, you know, Barcelona without Messi is the exact example. It's not easy to lose your best player. Um, so I think it's a little bit harsh, but you, but yeah, what was it? Five defeats in a row? Yeah. It's not not, not ideal. Good. I mean, yeah, prior to that, they'd, they'd beaten Everton 3-0 at home. They'd won 1-0 at Old Trafford. They looked like they were mm. in really good shape at that point. And then, yeah, since then, it's been a, a bit of a nosedive, which yeah. they've, had a, they've had a few of those under Smith. And I think this was just one... One bad one, one too, many. too many, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that they, they went, uh, you know, they took Danny Ings off Southampton this summer. He couldn't play in this game because he was injured and his replacement scored what proved to be the winning goal. Brilliant goal, by the way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, some rumours circulating that Villa might be looking at Steven Gerrard as their next manager. Do you think he, he's ready for the Premier League, Joel? I think he might be. I think, um, I, I think this is the kind of role that he possibly would be looking for as well because I think... It's fair to say, and he'd say it himself, that his long-term aim is to become a Liverpool manager. And I think that would become difficult if he just had experience at Rangers mm. on the cards. I mean, that sounds disrespectful to Rangers. It's not meant to be. You know, he's done a great job there. And, and I think, you know, Scottish League is... <laughs> And obviously, it's down to Rangers and Celtic, but it's not as bad as everyone thinks. What he wants to do yeah. is get himself over to Norway, win the league there. And that, that, <laughs> that'll set you up automatically for one of the biggest jobs in, in world football, won't it? I, yeah. I wonder who's done that. Yeah. But, um, I, I think going to somewhere like Villa, where um, you know, there is there is expectation there because you know, the owners have put in three hundred million pounds over the last couple of years, and they expect to get into to Europe sooner rather than later. 
And I think Gerard will have that on his neck and it's a good you know, way for him to test himself. And I think the players they've actually bought in this summer and, and the squad is already there would actually suit similar to what he's tried to do at Rangers. Um, and, you know, in terms of trying to you know, be attacking front force and you know, play with you know, a very quick tempo. And I think that actually could make sense for them. And, 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 you know, for Villa as well, you know, they'll be getting someone who, who has won a league title in, you know, in a league. So, We'll we'll see. I, I'm intrigued to see whether he does it, and you know, I'll be interested to see how he gets on there. Obviously, yeah. Uh, also, some talk that uh, Villa might be looking at Ralph Hasenhutl. I mean, Southampton made a poor start to the to the season. Matt, they're unbeaten in the last four Premier League matches. Would he be unwise to jump ship if if you were him and you're at Southampton? You've done all that nice work, and and Aston Villa come calling. Do you go for that or or what? Hmm. I think. Maybe, maybe, maybe he goes for it. It's a bit of a step up. I guess it depends where he and Southampton see the club going. Um, if they're going to see more investment and they're going to push higher and higher and they believe that he's the guy to take them into the top half, challenging for the Europa League, then yeah, stick around. But I can't see Southampton doing it. I think they missed the boat. I think they had a good team a couple of years back and they could have done it. But now... Unless Hasenhutl somehow miraculously drags them up there, I don't think he's going to get a chance to take that one step up. So, yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. Villa, Villa, Villa aren't shy at spending, as we've seen in the last few transfer windows. Mm. Um, they back their managers. They've got some really good players. I think it would be quite a good move for him, yeah. Yeah. And as you've just told me, Matt, James Ward-Prowse has dropped out the England squad and Emil Smith rose in. So all that stuff <laughs> we said about keeping him with the other 21s earlier, we'll just pretend just... we never said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that... That didn't happen. Fully deserved it. Always knew it. <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace followed up their win at City last week with another 2-0 win on Saturday, this time against Wolves. Uh, Joel, are we at the point yet where we should probably just say Palace are a, are a pretty decent side? And, and where do you think they could they could potentially finish this season? Yeah, I think we should actually. I think, you know, I think they're you know really good to watch. There's the solid at the back, and you know brought in you know um, Anderson from Fulham, and and I think he's you know, he's done well at sort of. You know, sorting that line out and sorting that defence out, and you know, Joe Ward suddenly looks like a really good player, which is which is something. Um, but yeah, I also think that you know, the, they've always been quite threatening on the break, but we're actually doing it in the past, Palace. And I think mm. now the, you know, the are starting to, you know, as City saw, the are starting to become more clinical on the break and, and looking to attack more. And they got some really good players there, you know, Conor Gallagher, which I'm sure will come on to. And but Wilfred Sahar looks like he's starting to affect games again. I'm intrigued to see how Alton Edouard does. Um, started quite well, and you know um, we'll see if he can you know score the goals he would score at Celtic. And Christian Benteke looks threatening again. And I, I think <laughs> I think there are pieces there. You know, in terms of you know, where they'll finish, I mean, I think you know there's a chance for them to get just creep into the top half. I, I do think they'll end up mid table. I think mm-hmm. I do think eventually you know, that's how it will play out for them, but. The thing, the thing is, they'll have a lot more fun than he did, you know, the last couple of seasons where you know they do finish sort of similar positions in the table. But I they're, thought you were going to stick the boot on Roy Hodgson again there for a second. I, I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, Conor Gallagher, you mentioned him there. He uh, he has been playing brilliantly every week. I think he, if you were to give the PFA Play, Young Player of the Year award out now, you'd you'd probably have to give it to him, wouldn't you? Do you reckon mm. there'll be a place waiting for him at Chelsea next season, Matt? No, honestly, no. I, I think I think he's a very good player. I'm not sure. Look at Chelsea's midfield. We talk about Ross Barkley barely getting a look in. Um, Ruben Loftus cheek went out on loan. Has started a little bit more recently, to be fair to him. But this is another one of them who seems to be perpetually on the edge and never really holding down a place. And mm. if if Chelsea were to lose Kante or Jorginho or Kovacic. Do you think the club or the fans would be happy with them saying, we're not going to spend the money? We, we've got someone. We've got Gallagher. Yeah, that's fine. the predicament with all these clubs, isn't it? It's yeah, the same and I City. think it, it, it's, it's exactly the same with City, that when, when you lose a big player, for the club to come out and say, yeah, we've lost him, we've just earned, you know, whatever, 70 million from sending him, but we're not going to reinvest. It's fine. We've got We've got a youngster coming through. I think that doesn't quite happen at that level, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think Gallagher would be far better off served, you know, even making the move to, to Palace permanent. Yeah. Um, and just going to the first team, because I don't see what benefit more loans are going to bring when he knows that he's going to have to have this awkward conversation every single summer with Chelsea. Yeah. Right. About, can I get in? And they're like, no, we've just, you know, bought whoever for 80 million. Isn't Bakayoko still out on loan? 
<laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Years. Who was the other one? Batshuayi's are the same. <laughs> you know, it's just... Yeah. Mark Mialska, what's he up to these days? Who? He, Mark Mialska, I'm sure he's still out. He's oh, still yeah. Was there, was there, was it, yeah. And who was the other guy who was on? The lads, was it Lu- the, Lucas Piazon. Yeah, yeah. FM and that, like that, that, that Dutch guy who's at PSV, what's his name? Van Ginkel. Van Ginkel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Gallagher yeah. doesn't want to be another one of these. Yeah. So, you know, get that permanent move. <laughs> As you say, Palace are on the up, so why not? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, we'll finish this week at Ellen Road, where Leeds held Leicester to a 1-1 draw on Sunday. That result leaves Leicester 12th and Leeds 15th. Uh, why do you think these teams have both made pretty disappointing starts this season, Joel? I think with Leeds... Um, you know, they, they, they have been missing players at various points. You know, Patrick Bamford's hardly played and it seems to be a really, you know, bit of a long-term injury, that one. I'm not sure when he's going to be back. Um, Calum Phillips missed, you know, start of the season. He's been back in, but doesn't look up to speed just yet. And, and Rafinha's missed parts as well. But, you know, we've seen Rafinha come back in. He's, he's made, you know, he's been vital in the last two games. You know, pretty much wins it for them at Norwich and then scores, you know, a goal um, against Leicester. And I think... They've just not had all their best players available at one time so far this year. And that's, that costs teams, you know, who are sort of, you know, lower to mid table kind of thing. You, you don't, their sort of squad depth isn't good enough to sort of um, bridge the gap that, you know, a local Man City and, you know, Chelsea's are, obviously. And I think that, that's what's happened. I mean, you know, as for Leicester, it's, I, I don't think they're too far away at the moment. Um, they've had, they've had some solid results recently. And then, you know, obviously, you know, you lost last week, and then not mm. done. You know, not done great in Europe as well. And I think they've still got a chance to qualify in Europe, but they had a really dodgy start. And I think Brendan Rodgers has not quite been able to get the balance right on balancing Europe and Premier League just yet. And he had a chance last year, and Leicester eventually become great after Christmas once they're out of the competition. And I'm just not quite sure he's worked out how to sort of balance the pair at the moment. And you know, we'll see if they go out, whether they um, go out of the Europa League, whether they'll, they'll shine after Christmas again. Yeah, well, they just need to finish strongly this season, don't they, Leicester? And they should, you know, end, end up in a better position than they have the last couple of seasons because it's sort of uh, tailing off at the end of the season has been a problem for them. Yeah. If they have, if they get the bad form out of the way now, then they can have a real crack it in the second half of the season, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the goals were scored by Rafinha and Harvey Barnes in this game. Harvey Barnes's was a beauty. Um, do you expect those two to both be at those clubs uh, this, ne- this time next season, Matt? Um, Rafinha, maybe not. I can see him moving on a little bit easier than Harvey Barnes, I think. I just think Leicester will be able to hold out maybe for a bit more, mm. um, especially because he's an English player. Um, that always kind of adds a bit on a bit of tax. I can't see. I don't know. I just I just don't quite see the, how Harvey Barnes. I'm trying to think who would sign him. I Liverpool know Liverpool been linked to the past, haven't they? But like, hopefully. But yeah, the thing is, whoever's been linked with them is linked with the other. Yeah, you know, yeah, true, that's true. Yeah, that's the very similar yeah. players, aren't they? Very similar. Yeah, of I've seen yeah. Liverpool linked with both United linked with both. Um, so yeah, I, I could see Rafinha leaving maybe a little bit more so than Harvey Barnes. Both of give them me are. give me Harvey Barnes every day. If I, if I had Harvey Barnes' as phone number, I'd text him more than you guys. Would really you take him over Rafinha? hundred percent every day. I think I, I think he should be our number one target next year. I think you might have to take Rafinha's a restraining a order out on you if you join Liverpool, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd accept it as long as you won titles. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, on that bombshell, we'll uh, we'll leave it for this week. I think. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to Matt and Joel for joining me, and thanks to everyone for listening. As always, of course, it's the international break now, so there will be no podcast next week. But we will be back again in a fortnight, and that is a promise this time. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.